Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope everyone is well and welcome to another exciting show, another exciting episode of the Unplugged Podcast. I am your host, Randy Osei, uh, founder and CEO of the Athlete Tech Group. And today we are joined by the one, the only, the entrepreneur, sponsorship guru, and Pittsburgh Steelers fanatic, Mr. And that's a big mister. <laughs> Mark I'm trying to lose weight. Let's not be too big. Oh, man. Mark, thank you for joining us today. How are things going with you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, oh, man. A, uh, you know what? It's, a, it's an interesting time, right? We, just as we think we're turning the corner, we get slapped back. Uh, so uh, good to see you, though. Thanks Absolutely. for inviting me on the show. It's great to see you as well. Now, Mark, uh, for the, those that can see you, like I could see you right now, um, you're smiling today. I have a feeling I know why, but for those who may not know, who is the only undefeated team in the NFL today? Uh, the referees. <laughs> <laughs> referees never lose. Um, you no. know what? It's Look, uh, I've been a Pittsburgh Steelers fan for decades before you were even born. And uh, I love my team. And you know, I, it's, it's obviously nice to be winning. Um, you know what? But as I tell my friends who are Cowboys fans who are telling me they're not even watching football right now, like, you know what? I, I was with my team last year when we had a, a champion duck collar quarterback. So, hey, you know what? You take the bounces, but let's not get carried away. The games you really want to win are in January and February, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, do you think the Super oh, Super, the Steelers win the Super Bowl this year? You know, Randy, the number of times that I thought we should be there, um, I don't think going 9-0 and is indicative of whether or not you're going to win the Super Bowl because the reality of all sport, and you know it being an athlete and working with athletes at the highest level, and you've worked with champions, um, it's a weird thing to win a title, right? You've got to stay healthy. Uh, you've got to peak at the right time. Um, and I think for any team in any sport, you know, um, I mean, kudos to LeBron, like they didn't just win the title. They won it in one of the most, you know, challenging circumstances. Right. 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 And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm by, by no means will I predict the Steelers to go in the Super Bowl. It's nice to be nine and zero, but you want to be playing in January. Right. Absolutely. So, and I forgot who's your team. Who's your team in football. Yeah. I don't have one. Okay. I don't have one. I, I, you know, growing up, I was a big Denver Broncos fan. Yeah. John El I don't know why, but I really like John Elway. Yeah. And, um, the running back he had. Oh, oh um, number 30, Davis. Yes. Terrell Davis. Davis. Oh, yeah. man. He was phenomenal yeah. to watch. Um, well, but not only that, I think he was a sixth round draft pick out of the University of Georgia. So, you know, to go from obscurity to, to a Hall of Fame career. Amazing. I think, yeah. I think that's, I think that's where we're going to touch on today is just, you know, journeys and growth and, you know, what does that look like? Um, one thing, you know, in, in doing some research into you uh, before getting onto this show today, you know, we've noticed a mini obsession of yours. I need you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say the following three words, air, zoom, Pegasus. I'm going to cheat and tell you the second thing. The first thing actually is USC Trojans because they're the first uh, Air Zoom Pegasus shoes I bought, custom Nikes. But I'm going to say 6.87. Now you have to guess what that is. 6.87 6. million dollars is the money you spent on Air Zoom <laughs> Pegasus shoes. <laughs> I don't have your money, Randy. Okay. <laughs> um, 6.87 is uh, how far my... Pittsburgh Steelers custom air Pegasus zooms took this fat ass around uh, this morning on my morning job. So it's 6.87 K not, not bad for an old guy. Who's, uh, you know, tipping at two twenty five. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. How many pairs? It wasn't, it wasn't fast, but, it, and it wasn't pretty, but I, I didn't stop. That's the biggest part. Never yeah. stopping. How many pairs do you have? Uh, right now I have, well, here's the thing. I usually buy them in batches. So, um, I think I have four that are, you know, current me personally, but in the house, there's probably about 18 because my kids have them and, and my wife who doesn't like football has them and, 
and my, my, <laughs> my dog, my Cavapoo, he has them. Yeah, it's, it's kind of mandatory. Wow. Wow. But kudos. Wow. You know what? It's interesting. Look, you're in this business. If you think about uh, that insight of just every team has their fans. And for me to be able to like look inside my shoes and see the words fight on for USC, because that's what's on the soul, right? It, it's just, I love it. I can actually, I, I put them on, the, or, you know, the Steelers, I put them on my feet and fight on goes through my, my entire body. Wow. Motivation comes from a lot of different sources, Mark. They yeah. definitely do. They definitely do. Wow. You've, uh, I'm so excited for this conversation. I've been thinking about it for, you know, the past couple of weeks, you know, you lead a very interesting life, you know, working with one of the most recognizable uh, companies here in Toronto at T1 agency. Funny enough, we met at one of your events. I was uh, invited by uh, one of your speakers, Samantha Rogers, shout out to Samantha. Um, and, you know, uh, since then, I've fallen in love with the work that you've, you guys have done, um, the brand you guys have been able to build. But let's let's start from the beginning. Where did this journey start for you that led you to becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, let's go right back to the beginning. Um, I believe my journey started in the crib. And I don't mean my house. I'm too, I'm too old to say the crib. Mm -hmm. uh, I was adopted. And, uh, you know, in all seriousness, and I... I I think that nothing has influenced me more than that. And there's probably two very big buckets that I would attribute that to. One is I live in a constant, fear is the wrong term, but um, constant state of never wanting to be dependent on anybody else. Hmm. And, you know, my parents, the people who raised me, so we'll just unequivocally call them my parents for the rest of this conversation. They were very uh, good at telling me at a young age, but, you know, I, I had a different name. Like I, you know, there's a whole different identity and they shared with me all the details. And I think that was, that was great because they wanted me to understand who I was and where I came from. And, and I mean, the odd thing about my family is my I have a sister born and my parents, and then two of us were kind of, you know, they, they picked us up at Costco. And, um, but we all looked alike. Like, so from a Pantone book, you'd be like, yeah, then they're all the same. But, but for me, it was really just understanding that hey, you know what? Uh, for a lot of reasons, somebody couldn't keep me. Uh, and they put me, you know, as a ward of children's aid. And uh, this really resonated with me when I got older and met other adopted people and other people been in foster care. It's like, man, you're just, you're there, quite helpless. And by the luck of the draw, I wound up getting adopted by who I did. But for me, entrepreneurship really started there. Um, that's the beginning. I mean, I can take you to the beginning of this current business, but I think it's, I'm pretty vocal and open about my background with people. And I think it's important for people to really understand that for me, entrepreneurship is not a risk. It's about taking control of your destiny, which is why I look at, at folks like you, Randy, and admire what you're doing because you're like, you built a business, pandemic threw a curveball at you. You're like, great, I'm going to hit that ball. I'm going to just, I'm going to track it down and hit it and knock it out. And I'm I'm a big fan of entrepreneurs. That's why I look at people like you and Sam Rogers and say, you know what, like whether you're, you've got one people, 10 people or a hundred people being an entrepreneur is vital to our economy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think 92% of the Canadian economy is small and medium sized businesses. Yeah. Um, now I, and I, I absolutely love, you know, the, the notion and, and the mindset, you know, taking control of your destiny. Right. As an entrepreneur, we, we, we talk about having to wear multiple hats within your business. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but you're I, I believe you're, you're at a, a stage where you now have employees. Uh, you know, you have a beautiful office, office space. Uh, you've got a team. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit now. What you know, how how T1 has survived the pandemic and, you know, what does the, the agency look like as of today? Yeah. So. You know, I, I, I probably skipped the answer to your other question about where the journey started. So I'm just going to jump back there for a quick second. Although, I, actually, you talked about hats. What I need to know what you're wearing today. It's oh, it's Nike. Hats. All right. No team. All right. No affiliation. I got, the, I got a Brooklyn Nets uh, Beautiful. practice. It's just How comfortable. Okay. comfortable. Are you happy about the uh, Van Fleet re-signing? Yes, yes, yes. To be honest, I 
didn't know if he was going to come back. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I was not yeah. sure. You know, I, I didn't know if the Raptors were going to pay him. Yeah. But they did. So, yeah. you know, shout out to Fred. I mean, he's earned it. He bet awesome. on himself and he, he made it happen. So I'll answer an entrepreneur. He's definitely an athlete entrepreneur that's built his brand here in Toronto. So really happy to see him back here. No, it's great. And I think, look, you look at that guy going from Wichita to 905 to, you know, being deep in the rotation to being such a, a crucial player. And you know what I, I, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not a basketball expert, but, but I look at what we paid for him versus say the, the Hayward deal. And I think that's a bargain. hundred percent. hundred percent. So to, your, to answer your question, so where are we sitting today? So in November of 2020, compared to say November of 20, 1994, so I started this company 26 and a half years ago. So 26 and a half years ago, I'm sitting in a little alcove in my house. Um, you know, I bought, I'd worked for one company for seven years, quit, started my agency. I had a house with a mortgage, 11.75% interest rates, which is like, crazy. oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, you know, early 90s, high inflation. I'm sitting there. I had a really good job, made really good money. And now it's, it's like me and my dog and, a, and an Apple computer called the Duo, which you, you've never heard of, but it literally had two computers in one. You could plug a fax line into the back. So when you're traveling, your faxes went in your computer. And there I am sitting there by myself and I'm, I'm trying to do a couple of things. One is I want to take big brands to the grassroots. So I grew up in a really young Ontario. When I got started in marketing in Toronto, every brief said national, but it said Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. I was like, guess I didn't grow up in Canada because I'm not on this list, right? <laughs> and uh, the other thing was my one and only boss was a super smart guy, but to be candid, our, the approach to my old job it was all about how much money can we make from our clients. So my ethos when I started this company was how do I take big brands to the grassroots? And secondly, how do I help my client do her job? Today, that's still what we're all about. So across my different businesses, we have about 100 full-time employees. Um, you know, prior to the pandemic, it was focused on T1 agency sponsorship experience marketing. SponsorBex, which is um, the conference you met me at. Uh, I have an investment in advising of some other companies like Wondermaker, which is an innovation studio and a fulfillment company. But here today in November, we've really ripped that apart. And I would say that the principle of going to the grassroots has been replaced by social justice. And I want to talk about that today. But the principle of helping our client do her job has not gone away. So we have, we have, we like you have done a bunch of reinventions. We've launched a creative agency called Humanity. Uh, we have gone into new sectors with T1, including PR and social. Uh, we've opened an elementary school called wow. Park Street. Um, and we just hired three new vice presidents two and a half weeks ago, and we're launching a business accelerator. And that's new news since the last time you and I chatted. So that's a quick, tidy summation. And that isn't even touching on some of the other sort of social justice things we're just putting our name to. Absolutely. Like the Black Talent Initiative, which we're definitely going to jump into. Um, so in terms of, you know, just, just, the, just the starting of T1 agency, you know, was it, a, was it a big loan? Did you get a small $10 million loan from your father? Did you get a, you know, a loan from BDC, the bank? Did you do a friends and family? Like, what was that process like for you? 26 and a half years ago? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really funny about the BDC because when the pandemic hit, we went to the BDC for one of those loans you heard about. Yep. They weren't keen on giving us one. Do you know why? Nope. We've never had a loan. So the fact that I was able to grow this business to 100 people tip to tip, 70 plus in T1. So back to your question in 1994, no, I um, saved up some money. Had this house that I bought six months before I quit my job. I still don't know why I bought a house and then quit my job. Um, but the first four years, uh, no, it was, I just scraped by. And I'll tell you a little secret that I haven't told a lot of people is it was originally called Trojan Sports Marketing. I'd never worked in sports marketing, but I like you love sports. So I, I made this foolish decision to do what I love, which is not a foolish decision. Um, I was being sarcastic, but you know, I did other things to make money. So I actually started a side company, which nobody knew about, called Mark Harrison Marketing. And one of the things I did was I did food service marketing for Uncle Ben's. 
And the other thing I did was I had a, uh, a women's undergarment client called Maiden Form. I did all their Canadian advertising. Those were just things that paid the bills while I really drove Trojan forward. And I heard a great quote on a podcast last week that I've been stealing and using ever since. And the expression was, sometimes you have to do what you need to do in order to do what you love. So I was doing anything because candidly, my salary, my income had dropped by, I was probably making 20 cents on the dollar what I'd been making at my job. It took me over four years bootstrapping my company. So no loan for my dad, love him to pieces. Uh, He never had, never will have $10 million, but he doesn't need to because he's a $10 million pops in my mind. No friends and family, not saying I don't have friends, Um, but no, it's just, you know, just me building it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that is what it is. I don't know how you did it, but that was kind of how I threw it out there. Wow. So building relationships, bootstrapping, um, you know, networking and um, scraping your way to, 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 to this monstrous company that holds events. Not, not monstrous. It's monstrous. It, hey, Decent. ladies and gentlemen, it is monstrous. Decent. If it wasn't for COVID, they would have done uh, Sponsorship X Tokyo this year. We were going to the Olympics this year with Team Canada. And that would have been pretty special. We had global heads of sponsorship from some of the biggest oh, IOC partners in the world. But that's my, uh, you know, to answer your question on, uh, I, to grow this business and I tell people this, time, I just wanted to figure out a way to be everywhere I possibly could. So you need to remember in 94, there was no such thing as social media. No, there was no such thing as blogs and, and viral and LinkedIn. I mean, you know, as I said to you before, I had a computer that was also a fax machine. That was high tech, right? Uh, I've had people tell me that they got to know me because I was the first person that emailed them. In fact, I think I first started faxing an industry newsletter that I wrote. Uh But I'll tell you a little trick that I did, Randy. I decided I wanted to be everywhere in sport that I could. So one of the silly things I did, I probably shouldn't admit this on air, was I would phone up national and provincial sports organizations and sports events and say, if you have a press conference coming up, can I get on your media list? And they'd be like, well, are you media? I said, well, no, I'm doing this industry newsletter. So kind of, but not really. I'm like, okay, we guess so. And, you know, a little secret, people holding press conferences always want a full room. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a bar. You want to, you want to line up, right? Even if it's fake. Mm-hmm. Now you might say, well, why the heck would I want to go to press conferences? Well, at those press conferences, who was always there? Sponsors. So I'd be at the the salary table, getting more than my share fare in the dip. <laughs> and I, you know, see a sponsor come along and make sure I spilt something on her blouse to start a conversation. <laughs> but that was my whole thing. It was like, nobody knew who I was. I mean, I've been working on the, on the FM pet care account, which I love to this day for seven years, FM can up and bull. Nobody knew who I was. You just got to get known. Right. Right. And I think a lot of that still bodes true now. I think it's a little bit easier where, you know, you don't have to fax. We can email things and connect on social media and connect on LinkedIn and so on and so forth. But you really had to, you know, roll up your sleeves and literally go outside and talk to people. Right. I think, I think people struggle with that in this day and age. Right. Everyone has, I feel a, uh, a common thread that they copy and paste when they're reaching out to people like, Hey, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this would love to connect for a further conversation. It's kind of hard to build relationships that way. Really hard. I mean, think about yourself. You're great in a room, right? I've seen you in a room. Now you and I are locked into it's like, like almost kind of, I don't know, solitary confinement to make a bad prison analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, uh, I still love going out, and I think when this this pandemic ends, um, as much as things will transition, there is nothing. I've spent 30 years of my life trying to convince marketers that human connection is vital and valuable to their business. And you get the person, oh, we can reach more people cheaper on TV ads or social media. All those marketers now realize the value of human connection. Think about when you're structuring deals. How many times are you going to get an athlete investor to meet over Zoom and invest? That's hard, but meeting face-to-face in a room, them understanding the character of that athlete or the athlete understanding the character of that entrepreneur they might invest in, 
you know, the, the eyeball test is, is vital in, in human beings. And, and I love networking, but I've never networked to try to sell something. Um, I have always been focused on how do I help the industry and build relationships? Because the person who works for me today could be my client tomorrow or my supplier the week after. And uh, I just want to build the industry. That's, I, I think, is the most important part of networking. Your networking should be about the whole, not about the individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, Mark is uh, pe preaching to the choir. You know, I, um, I've built my business on relationships. You know, right. I, um, and, you know, most of our listeners probably do know, but, you know, I've built my business through working with NBA players and everyone in, in and around that space have be either become clients, colleagues, friends, business partners, we've collaborated, whatever the case may be. So, you know, the, the importance of, of relationship building and, you know, not being able to build in person, you know, what are some of the things that you've been doing to continue to build your relationship? I know what you like to do, but now we're limited, right? So I think one of the things about being an entrepreneur is being able to adapt. How have you adapted to this digital transformation that's been sped up by like eight years? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the one thing I would just say on the physical side, and it's quite tactical, and I'm sure you're doing the same. I really fall in love with the, with the, the walking meetings. So, uh, you know, fortunate being Midtown Toronto, but I, I am a big fan of get up, get, get shut down these things and trying to do three to five walking meetings a week where somebody meets and we just head outside and get a little sweaty and huff and puff and, and, and have a chat. You know, the other week I went for a walking meeting with a woman named Lindsay Knowlton. She runs a company called Iron Lady Golf, entrepreneur like yourself. Next thing you know, we're in the Rosedale Valley Ravine and she's super fit, you know, scholarship athlete from Ohio State and fatty cakes here is wishing that he had his air pegasus on, let me tell you. <laughs> but I would say the, the most powerful thing that I've done in terms of digital networking is put the word networking aside and say, let's collect people together. We're gonna to do this this way for moments of purpose. Hmm. And you know, you and I talked earlier about being entrepreneurs and being in, in, independent. Uh, to, you can be independent and not have to be an entrepreneur, but you have to take control and ownership of your life. You have to live your life with a direction and a mission and a vision. Working for somebody else, because we both have people working for us, is great, but I want people that have a purpose. And what I've found has been the most powerful thing, the strongest connector right now is when we've all worked towards an even higher purpose. And unfortunately, due to George Floyd's murder, we've been given this unbelievable opportunity. And I say unfortunately, because I look at myself in the mirror and I condemn myself daily that it took the, the, the most grotesque murder in recent history because it was nearly nine minutes, you know, that the entire world saw and you lived through an agony to get me off my tush. Hmm. But in, when, when you get a group of people together working on something that's purposeful, I don't care if it's in-person, Zoom, an old-fashioned conference call, you can have a real connection. That connection is super important. I think, you know, that, that, that murder has done a lot. It's, it's changed. Um, and, you know, we're continuing to see the change in and around, you know, workforce, our, our daily lives. What is that? Uh, was it May, I believe? Yeah. What, what, what is that? That murder? What has it done to you and for you? Well, I think, you know, what it's done to me is it, um, I'll say this to you as a black man, it's made me more afraid that you or I could cross the border. And it even happens in Canada. Let's say you or I were on a business trip in Minnesota and we went into a store and maybe the shopkeeper accidentally thought we stole something. Next thing you know, you or I are on a pavement being choked to death in front of millions of witnesses. Not that there are millions of people there, but there are enough phones that it became them. And, and the, the murderer has the authority of the government and therefore decide they're not to stop. It makes me afraid for me, 
makes me afraid for you, makes me afraid for my children. The upside is it's also stirred in me an anger that I've had this platform, a platform of a company, a platform of being able to do public speaking, a platform of, of leadership. And I applied that platform to my personal love of football and being a volunteer football coach, both in school and youth for over 25 years. A platform where I'm on the board of Big Brothers Big Sisters Toronto, which helps a lot of great, uh, uh, deals with a lot of great need and great issues. And a platform where I'm, I'm a volunteer with CAMH and mental health, but I have not done anything for my people. I was born to a Jewish mother and a black father, but I identify as black. But I also, you know, because my original surname was Zemans, that resonates with me. But I, you know, my parents who raised me are black. My mom graduated from high school, top of her school. She wanted to be a doctor. She was told in the 50s, black women can't be doctors. My dad was the top apprentice in this machine shop course. Couldn't get a job and own sound because the union wouldn't let a black man join the union. Wow. My children who are a mixed race, my wife is, is Jewish. You know, when, when they went to a new school and I picked one of them up one day, the next day the kids were teasing about having a male black nanny. So he thought he would quell the teasing by telling them, look, it's my dad. Well, the teasing didn't stop, it just changed directions. And more importantly, when I look at our industry and I look at, at you and me, and I know that when you or I walk into a room, we're judged. Should I wear the ball cap backwards? Is that too black, right? Do I want this deal? And I will tell you, I felt like, I feel like a little bit of a sellout. So for me, um, it has made me fearful, it's made me angry, and I've channeled my anger to positivity and that I'm going to do my small part by tackling economic hurdles to change those. Love that, love that. I think this leads us to what you've built, um, you know, the, the Black Talent Initiative. Um, can you kind of give us a primer of, of, of what it is? What is the vision? You know, what is the goal? Um, and where are you guys today? So, I uh, instigated the Black Talent Initiative, and the best part about it is become a movement, which is really what I want it to be. Ironically, the backdrop was George Floyd gets murdered. I'm pissed. I post a LinkedIn video. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a bit of a rant about the NFL and Colin Kaepernick. And so, you know, you talked about our conference. We did a deal with the NFL. So we were in Nashville in 2019 with their draft, and this year we we're supposed to be in Vegas. And so the fact that I was running a conference that's partnered with this amazing sports league, NFL Canada has been a client. And I just said, screw it. I, I love football, man. I love football. Um, Colin Kaepernick being blackballed from the league is kind of like, imagine if Donald Sterling had been allowed to keep the clips, right? And I posted this video and uh, the next day, NFL Canada called me and said, folks from New York want to talk to you. I'm like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. They were great. What can we do to help? We started brainstorming. And their idea was, oh, you, you should create networking groups for Blacks in, in marketing and sports marketing. I was like, you know, so there'll be four of us in the men's room. That isn't good enough. So I really wanted to focus in on what I see is, is the entryway to our business, which are internships, which typically are unpaid or underpaid. So that if you're not from the right neighborhood, how do you take this internship and still pay your tuition at Humber College or the University of Regina or, you know, uh, St. FX? So what we're doing is we are building up an infrastructure. We're going to be enablers and connectors where we want companies who want to bring black talent into their business in marketing that are willing to pay for full in internships. There's over 100 volunteers now in our group. You're one of them. Thank you. Um, from Google to CIDC to NFL Canada to MLSE to uh, TTG group out of Vancouver to your friend Sam Rogers. Um, and what we're doing is we're building, we're going out to companies and saying, create these internships. And we wanna show you best practices and we're gonna have a whole bunch of different types. We're gonna go out to people in high school and say, you, you should go into marketing in high school. You know, look at Randy, look at Mark, look at whoever. Um, and we're going to go to universities and tell kids we've got these better internships. So we're building everything right now. We've been very slow and purposeful. 
I didn't do this and I'm not doing this to write a press release and get into the Global Mail tomorrow. This thing has to be alive in five years and it has to do a bunch of things. So let's say hypothetically your young company can't afford an intern. Well, we actually want to get sponsors. So we might be able to put one, two or three people in Rosé Management, but maybe in three years, you can afford four interns. Well, amazing, right? And, or you could be a mentor because you've been there, you've grounded out, you've, you've figured out a way to build trust with some of the highest profile athletes in the world. So the Black Talent Initiative is, is what it is. We want to grow Black talent in underrepresented areas of marketing. Think about the musicians, the athletes, the graphic designers, the contributors to culture in this country, but then go to a boardroom and try to find those people, right? This Zoom call of you and me, there's no meeting in Canada this week in marketing that looks like this Zoom call. Not one. <laughs> not, no chance. No chance. No so chance. you and I need to change that. And I'm not saying, this is not saying it has to become all black. This is about, we've, we have discrimination in racism against blacks, indigenous, black, but like in all sorts, genders, you know, gender identification, sexual orientation, like there's all sorts of discrimination, physical disabilities, intellectual. I'm just really honing in on this that's close to home. And I believe that economic power is the way to quelling issues such as racism. And even if it isn't, I'm just gonna kick, kick butt at it because I wanna create opportunities for the young marks. The young marks, the young marks, the young Randys. You know, Mark, it's, I, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I'd, I'd love to get your, 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 your points on this, you know. Um, as a you know an entrepreneur and you know moving back to Toronto in 2018 and wanting to really build Rose management to work with Canadian companies and get them involved with a lot of the work that I had been doing over the past five years, um, it was tough. Yeah, it was it was it was tough. People, well, which college did you graduate from? I'm like, well, what does that matter? Right. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm I'm sitting in front of you. I've I've sent you an email. Um, I told you what I have at the table and people wouldn't even believe me. Yeah. People were like, well, how do you have all these relationships? Oh, you seem like I've heard that. Oh, you seem like, um, that you just know these guys, but you can't actually do business with them. Interesting. So my question to you, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Was that mm -hmm. the toughest part was just like, you had this network that you had built, like you lived with these guys, you would yeah. embedded in their lives and people would just like, what they just thought you were name dropping, like you're pulling names out of yeah. the sky. Yeah, it happened. It happens till this day. Yeah, probably not as much, um, you know, because may happened, but it it happens. You know, people yeah. doubt your credibility. They doubt your ability to do yeah. things. You know, when I was putting together the, the first ever athlete tech summit, people were like, "How do we know you can pull this off?" Well, I don't. I don't think there's anyone else in the city or in the country that has done what I've done within my niche space in, in terms of working with athletes and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, dealing with that, um, you know, coming into meetings and, you know, being the only black person there, it's, it's daunting, you know, mm -hmm. you, you want to be tough, you want to be courageous, right. but it's like, man, if, if, if I really tell someone how I actually feel, I may never be here again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So my question to you is, Mark, you know, I, I know may happened and it's unfortunate that it happened, but we've seen change. How much of the change that we've seen do you feel is actual real change? You know, cause like a part of me feels like everyone is trying to fill a quota. Everyone is not trying to lose customers. Everyone wants to make sure that they're being diverse and inclusive, but do you, do some of these brands, companies, these leaders, do they actually care? Are they just trying to make sure that, you know, they don't like, remember when Gap came out with the, with the, with the red and blue sweater, like, are they just making sure that they don't turn into another Gap or is it like, no, we actually want to see change because we believe there are people of different skin colors that can actually add value to our businesses. What are your thoughts? There has been no change. Hmm. And why I say that is um, it's not natural yet. 
And why I say that is people still ask me, what should I do? How should we do it? And, uh, you know, I've suggested to people that you get your data. So if you're a big company, go find your data, like figure out your stats and create a scorecard. People are like, are you, are you talking about quota? I'm like, no, just actually understand yourself. The reason why I say there's been no change is it's not natural yet. So at the end of the day, every company, and we have one, so I'm going to be self-critical. Every company that has a diversity committee isn't there yet. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a diversity committee, but success will be when you don't need one. Mm. I think we're a far ways away from that. Like how many companies do you know that have a politeness committee? A what committee? A politeness committee, a committee to make sure the company acts politely. Oh no, I've never even heard of that. Neither have I, but my point is like, you just expect it naturally in your company that they'd be polite. But we have a diversity yeah. committee because we want to have a group of people to make, like, look, we have one here, I, I get it, it's vital. I mean, I was running a business that, um, when they happened, I was the only black person working here and I own the place. Wow. Now that has now, changed. I know you didn't do that intentionally. No. Obviously not. But, sorry to cut you off, but I didn't do it intentionally in two ways. I didn't, of course, not hire black people, but I also had the opportunity to influence and I didn't do that either. And that's the part I'm kicking my butt about. So since that time, uh, we have, Per, we know in our in every search we have purposely included a more diverse pool. We've hired uh, two um, uh, black Canadians, one who used to work here and has come back. Uh, I'm about to actually to type an email out after our show today to our HR team about another person I want to bring in. Again, but the point is not. The point is as simple as it should be natural. You you should not worry whether you wear your hat frontwards, backwards. Or sideways. I mean, in 1992, and all that's a long time ago, I got my first BMW. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do a humble brag here. It was a lion green sports coupe the year they went from the box to the round version, right? And I used to play touch football in Scarborough. The first time I drove that lion green BMW to Scarborough for a touch football game, how many times do you think I was pulled over by the police? How many times in the one drive? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Twice? Three. Wow. Once there, twice on the way back. Wow. I call my dad. My dad lives in Aurelia. I'm telling him the story. My dad, you know, he's, he likes to get in the details. What were you wearing? Sunglasses, my jersey, and my ball cap. What was your ball cap? Oh, my Malcolm X ball cap. So you were driving a lime green BMW with a Malcolm X ball cap on in 1992 in Scarborough, and you were surprised you pulled over. But that is a crock of poop. How... Why should I have to worry about what color my car is, my skin, or my hat? So my dad's like, you know what? I don't want to tell you. And again, my dad, I love him. He was the guy who told me when I was young, like, you know, punch first, ask questions later. <laughs> Somebody calls it the bad word. Um, but he's like, maybe you shouldn't wear the hat. Moral of the story, I, I shouldn't have to think about hiring black people, I should think about naturally, we look for a diverse pool that is beyond black, man. It, I sit here daily and think when this crap is over, I wanna figure out a way to make sure we've got a, a role here for somebody who maybe has a physical challenge. We've never purposely thought, yet my company's done tons of work with the Canadian Paralympic Committee. What about uh, somebody who's afflicted with downs? There's, there's roles we could create that they could do very successfully. So sorry to go on, but just, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is like, back to your question of things change. I see lots of action, ourselves included. When it's natural, we'll be there. And I'm just using um, black as sort of like the, the tip of the spear. That's more of a strategic comment, not meant to be any applied any other way right. as, a, as a door opener to what else we need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Coming on the flip side of it, and yeah. um, you know, we're, we're we're trying to support, you know, and and open up more doors and create more opportunities for Black entrepreneurs. Um, 
on the flip side, Mark, what, what would you, what would your advice be to, you know, black entrepreneurs right now? You know, the, the world is, is, is now looking at you differently, maybe giving you a chance. Maybe people are going to be a little bit nicer. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe you can come in and let's, 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 let's see, let's see what you can bring to the table. If you're a black entrepreneur right now in 2020 um, and the wild year that it's been mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you see these diversity funds and these huge loans coming out and there's action, like you said. Mm-hmm. But if, I'm, if I own a business outside of Randy Jose, if I own a business and I'm looking at the landscape, yeah. um, how, how do you even navigate that? Because for the last X amount of years, nobody cared. Now, all of a sudden, people kind of care. So how do you... I don't want to say capitalize on that, but how do you? No, I, I know what you're saying because because I would even ask you that. Like you, yeah. you're probably getting inbound calls and and requests that you hadn't received before. People are. I'll tell you this. People are being a little bit nicer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. talking to one of the major four banks here in Canada yeah. about a project yeah. um, for the athlete tech group. Yeah, and uh, we were supposed to set up a call for early October, and they went silent for a month. Yeah. And it wasn't until my email, the, the, the final email I sent in the end of October, I said, hey, uh, have we given up on supporting BIPOC entrepreneurs? 10 minutes later, I got an email. Yeah. 10 minutes later. And I hate to bring it there. No, I don't know, I don't know whether to laugh or cry to your point. Um, here's the weird thing. So when we talk about May, and I want to be super clear, I have not felt that my skin color has held me back in my career. In fact, I might- The crazy thing is, Mark, I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. I might even argue with you, it's been an advantage. Hmm. My point is, since May, I've been angry at myself that when I saw racism, when I saw discrimination, I didn't say anything about it, or I wasn't purposeful on how do I help and I think there's a natural reason why you and I should help other black entrepreneurs. No different than if we were female, we should help other female entrepreneurs. I know reason if we were female and indigenous, we shouldn't help other female indigenous entrepreneurs. But your answer to your question, and it's a very interesting conundrum. What I would say is this, there are incredible opportunities and you know the struggles of starting a small business. So I'm. I'm in the camp of go and meet with the people from the Black Opportunity Fund, not just because there's money or financing there, but there can be mentorship there. Go and meet with the Randys and the Marks and hear what they went through. Go and look at companies and brands that you think need to diversify the way that they conduct their business. But do all of that with one simple thing in mind. Don't go there trying to hit a grand slam or the fadeaway three, or the 90-yard touchdown. Go there to get three yards. Go there to get a broken back single. Go there to hit a foul shot. Do your thing carefully and curate it, and make sure that that thing you do, you can do amazingly, and that you can replicate it, and that you'll excel. And I don't care if you're black, white, purple, male, female, none of the above, that if there's a reason a brand, especially a big bank, is going to give you an opportunity, the fact that you're black does not give you the right to fuck it up. You have to louder for the people in the back. Yeah, you have to earn it and you have to re-earn it. I am twice maybe two and a half times your age. I'm not going to ask you how old you are. 30. But, okay. So I'm, I'm the whole bucket ahead of you. Okay. Um, I have to prove myself every day. You have to prove yourself every day. If we were white, we'd have to prove ourselves every day. And I think that you need to understand that now somebody's opened the door for you. Um, and your job is to go in there and honor that occasion, honor that opportunity and you, you have to work three times as hard, not because of your color, but because you were given a chance. 
when I'm given a chance, there's nothing that makes me angrier than when I'm, or my company is given a chance and we blow it, right? Like it's, you know, you know that expression in sports of beating yourself? Yeah. But I say management doesn't want to beat itself, right? There's enough other crap out there, right? I mean, even before this pandemic, right? There's, you're a young entrepreneur, you're doing something people don't understand, blah, blah, blah. So we get those opportunities, you have to take them. And, and I think what people forget is don't go for the whole thing. Just do that little thing. Do that little thing. Do it really well. Yeah. I think too many entrepreneurs today want to want to run before they walk. They want to walk before they crawl. And I think what you just shared there is, you know, just get to first base, man. Just get to first base. Watch Moneyball, people, if you haven't. Moneyball was based on just getting on first base. If you can get on first base, you can win games. Getting on first base. You know, people forget uh, that Muhammad Ali's greatest fights were the rope dope right? Where he, he helped, he just let people wail away till they got tired. Pop. Now, on the other hand, Mike Tyson went a different approach. But you know what Mike Tyson did, which people forget? Mike Tyson put all the work in between the fight, right? Like, so he had that. But the best boxer of the world hit him in the ribs, hit him in the ribs. You know, and I coach football. I like to tell my team that, like, guys, you got to understand the block you're making in the first quarter is going to pay off in the fourth. If you keep hitting that linebacker over and over, right? You keep hitting that quarterback legally over and over. It, it pays off in the fourth quarter. That's when it pays off. And that's the thing about business. I, I'm not here because I'm smarter than anybody else. Certainly not better looking, certainly not faster, certainly don't have the connections. I didn't get a $10 million loan from my dad. The small one, the small $10 million loan. You can't just say that it's the small $10 million loan. Small term. <laughs> yeah, the tiny little, the little you know, cash advance from Pops. <laughs> I'm here because I, I still at this age go one step at a time. I, I even, you know, I, I look at other companies that have popped up and fizzled and, you know, we're just, we're just trying to be ourselves. Just one step at a time. And the guys who are in our business, uh, I think of like the Ian Malcolm's Luminsy and, 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 and the Dave Diamonds and Jeff Rogers, even though he's got a new thing, like they just put their, you know, it's cliche, but it isn't cliche. It's actually harder to put one foot in front of the other at a time than it is to run full speed. What's harder? Marathon, 100 meters. Anybody can run, well, not anybody. Most people can run 100 meters. They might not win. It's harder to run a marathon. It's harder to run a marathon than it is to run 100 meters. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. I know, Mark, you know, with, with this wisdom, you know, the experience, the, the leadership, you know, you've, you've continued to expand your business, your business interests. And, you know, with such a vast array of businesses that you started and are, are currently working on, do you find that they, they, they begin to link to each other in some way, shape or form? Like is when you start, is it, all right, we're going to do these nine different things. And in five years, they're going to, they're going to meet over here. Or is it mm, this, this, they may converge over here. They may converge over here. If they do, great. If they don't, they could live by their own. What's your, what's your strategy? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, for me, the linkage that existed prior to the pandemic was I always wanted every company, every venture that I was a part of to be more uh, interested in supporting the industry than just supporting us. And, you know, it's easy to say when you've been around a while and yes, you're, you've got a certain scale, but you know that the reality of a category is if I go in and I screw up somebody's sponsorship program, the next company that comes along not only has to sell the brand on hiring them, they have to sell them on hiring an agency period. Cause like, oh, agencies suck. Yeah. I'd say post uh, the start of, you know, this pandemic, which for us kicked in Friday, March 13th. And I'm, I'm par- superstitious. So Friday the 13th, it's like, uh, and then you cut, co- you couple it with with uh, with May, and you know we've skipped over it, but and he you know he hasn't left yet. But thank goodness the U.S. election went the way it did because there's still oh, cool. 70 million racists who think that Trump should be in power. 
And anybody who voted for Trump is a racist. Right. Each and every one of them. All of them. Um, you support a racist, you are a racist. Uh, for me, social justice is now the connective tissue that I am looking at everything I'm doing from my school to where my conferences will go, whether they're virtual in real life, to my creative agency. Um, I want to improve the world. And I'm not trying to be, I don't want to be on the cover of Fast Company or be some guy that has, I, I don't need to be famous. I just want to do my little part to make the world better. I have said to my team, think of things like the queues, the Canadian emergency wage subsidy. And I've got lots of issues with government, so I'm not saying they're perfect, but you know, the fact that we're able to tap into that when our, when our core experiential business is off by 100% because nobody's doing experiences, the fact that we're combining our, using our retained earnings, some salary cuts by our people and the queues to keep us alive. I've said this to them. I said, on July 1st, 2021, Canada Day. I want to be able to plant a big, beautiful Canadian flag on a hill somewhere and tell the taxpayers of Canada that their money went to saving jobs, their money went to innovation, their money went to us helping Black entrepreneurs, their money went to providing an educational opportunity. Because one thing my school does is every time we have a student come in where the parents are paid because it's an independent school, we give a full scholarship to somebody from big brothers, big sisters. So a little, right? I wanna say, you know, you helped us create jobs, innovate, give an opportunity, you know, education. We could be changing somebody's life that maybe wasn't focused and because they were able to go to our school, they might become Randy. That's what I wanna do. And that's the connective tissue to everything that I'm going to spend my time, my money and my future on. It doesn't mean I don't want to make a profit. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in a nice car or a nice house, but it does believe, make me say, if I could have earned $10, what about $6.80 and use that other 320? Because you know what? I'm a comfortable, I'm comfortable. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a kid in university, another one on their way. Um, I can go to Starbucks this afternoon and get a coffee and not worry about whether or not I'm I blew my coffee budget this week. I have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. Your listeners have an opportunity that we can help others make this country, which is amazing, although a little bit skeptical when a smart entrepreneur comes back from the US and we got to fix that too. Yep. But we can make our country better, but we're not going to make it better by being greedy or selfish or worried about Tiwan or Rosé or, 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 or X brand or Y brand. So that's the connective tissue. I know it's a long, sorry about that. That is so vital to me right now. And if, if all this means is that maybe because we are able to change other people's attitudes then one less black man is murdered, maybe because we're able to open up a door that one uh, less uh, black man or woman went to the wrong side and said they said they were gonna follow you and Randy's footsteps. All we can do is make it that you or I can feel comfortable going into a big bank with a ball cap on backwards and not um, having somebody like this happened to me a few weeks ago. Went to a smoothie bar here in Rosedale where our office is. And I went in and, and the, the, the guy behind the cash told me like, oh, go over there. That's where the Uber drivers line up. Now I have nothing against Uber drivers. Whoa. I have nothing against Uber drivers, but like, I'm like, okay, so you just looked at me, you made a snap judgment. And I could be elitist say, well, you're the hourly cashier, but like I was the hourly cashier. I worked at McDonald's as a kid. Mm -hmm. I'm not above an hourly cashier or an Uber driver, but I am above being classified on how I look. At a smoothie bar, what the hell? <laughs> but the real question is you should, be, you should be throwing shade on me, but why do you have a smoothie bar? No, smoothie bars are great. I love smoothies. <laughs> You're like, you know what, Harrison? You're fat. It was, no, you're not. No, 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 we're not it was a root beer float. I know the story. It was, a, it was a smoothie. You're like, <laughs> you know I was going for the root beer float. <laughs> I hate root beer, by the way. Root beer Do you? I love it. It's terrible. It's terrible. I've never had coffee, root beer. Really? Never, never, I've never drank coffee in my life. Ever. 
I used I'm, to I used to work at McDonald's like you, and um, I used to work in the in the kitchen. Yeah. And then when I slowly transitioned into the front, and shout out to McDonald's, man. I did you like working at McDonald's? Say that again. Did you like working at McDonald's? I loved working at. McDonald's. I loved working at McDonald's. Oh I tell you right now, McDonald's is the greatest place in the world for a teenager to work. Absolutely, absolutely. I started working there when I was fourteen to sixteen. Then I worked at Toys R Us. Then I went off to college and then I worked at the school gym. And then my second or third year, I picked up another job at McDonald's Yeah. and they wanted me to be a manager. And I'm like, guys, I have, I have bigger dreams than, you know, being a manager here, but the, 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 the skills, the, the systems, the, the manners, the, everything that McDonald's as a, as a business, how they operate and, and build you as a customer service rep, essentially, yeah. I still have those skills up until this day. My favorite entrepreneurship book used to be The E-Myth because Michael Gerber talks about no matter what industry you are in, turn your business into a McDonald's, right? right. You're bad. You just stole my speech. I loved the process, the order. You know what I love most? The meritocracy. There, You got promoted there based on skill. Not whose butt you kiss, you're laughing at the manager's jokes. They had a, a very simple way to assess how good you were at what you were doing. And I can remember being in the back as well, you know, like turn lay and cereal lay and all that stuff. And I mean, you know, I work, it's, it's so funny you brought it up. I, I have never had McDonald's as a client. This is not a pitch or a problem. <laughs> uh, but if they want to send me some influencer coupons, Facts. Away, I think so. Um, but I love working with McDonald's. No, oh, no, really, really helped to build, uh, you know, character. Yeah. Um, Mark, I think, you know, this, this conversation touched on a lot of things from, um, resilience to dealing with adversity to, you know, being entrepreneurial, getting to first base. I think that's going to be the name of this, this episode, getting to first base and the importance of just being able to get to first base. Everyone's thinking about the, you know, the 90 yard touchdown and you, you can't, start with that in mind you could have a vision of it but that shouldn't be like all right that's the goal like well you got to take some more steps there and uh i I really think that you know what you're building with the black talent initiative um park street as well um kudos to you kudos to you i think we need more mark harrison's you know i I've, i've told you since the day that i've met you um i've been inspired by your work um, I remember last year you brought the guy from uh, Firefest to to sponsorship X, and I was and, like, "Wow, this is and, amazing!" Yeah, yeah. It's the first time I've uh, ever interviewed a, uh, a, a speaker who's told me that they. Um, they like, we know what he did. We know yeah. what he and did. He, and he tells me, I, 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 you know, he likes it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember, yeah, that I remember the looks on people's faces when. When he, when he said, you know, it's not like they asked me to go out there and take care of five five vaginas. Like, I like it. So, anything. His words, not mine. If you're, if you're listening or watching this right now and I've offended you, I will send you a link to the video. Um, don't be something. Hey, but as a business owner, I want that kind of dedication to the business. I want that type of dedication from my team, man. I think... Uh, that was a great story. And your story is, you know, nothing short of amazing. I, I, I know that, you know, I'll definitely be keeping tabs. Um, I, I, I love everything that you do. I love the work that you do. And, you know, soon there will be a collaboration where we could come together and um, I continue to give back and, you know, match profit with purpose. That's what I like to call it. Match yeah. profit with purpose. Um, and, uh, you know, pull in the next Mark Harrison, the next Randy O'Shea, the next Rowan Barrett. You know, there's there's a lot of us that need to be celebrated, that need to share our story and share it with with those that don't know that we exist. Yeah. Because to get where you're at is not easy at all. It is if you do it one step at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> Just get to first base. Ladies. And complete and complete non sequitur, but you made me think of Rowan Barrett. Uh, I'm sure you followed uh, Caleb Houston, Canadian kid. Yep. Just yep. signed uh, with Michigan. His mom, Andrea, is a friend of mine. So shout out to uh, Andrea and Dave. 
on uh, yep. kids sign at Michigan and, and I can see uh, someday Kayla will be an ATG client. I thank you. We're going to send this to, to Andrea and Dave. Uh, no, Caleb is, a, is an amazing kid. Like he's super respectful. I think we've, I've, I used to train with him when he was like 14. Um, used to train at my gym. Um, so I'm not surprised that, you know, he's, he's gone to where he's gone to. And I star recruit. Absolutely. Amazing. I think mom works at Gatorade. Yep. Well, at Pepsi. Yeah. Pepsi. Yep. Awesome. 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 Nonetheless, Mr. Harrison, I uh, want to say thank you so much for, for, for joining us today and sharing your story, your insights. There's tons of sound bites for us to grab and, and share. Uh, and we'll definitely share with you. Um, everyone, this is Mark Harrison. Mark, any final words for our audience? Well, I just want to uh, share a thank you to you because A, having me on the pond is great, it's inspiring. Um, you know, shout out to what you're doing with your business. I actually just get energy working with people like you because you're bringing a passion to the table and, and taking on the same, same challenges. And my last comment is you just need to know how much it means to me because you're the first person that's talked to me for an hour uh, in at least three months. So thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'll be Everybody back. else usually gets about 34 minutes and then pretends they got to pee. Oh, no, no. I'll be back. Yeah, Don't I'm, teasing. Worry. I'm teasing. <laughs> but no, listen, keep it going. Uh, let's pass it on and I love your profit with purpose and uh, thanks for having me today let's get to first base everyone